This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to Zencaster.com and use coupon code that entertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, And we have such a fun show uh, this week. I'm very excited to be sitting down and talking with a friend of the show, someone we've had on in the past. It's been about 100 episodes almost uh, since he's been on, uh, and I am so, so glad that he was able to come back on. His time is super, super busy being a full-time creator and whatnot. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. Um, I want to just thank everyone for being here, for listening. It means a lot. You could be doing anything with your time and you choose to be with us. And that means a lot. There's a lot of podcasts out there. And uh, hopefully you get enjoyment out of this hour or so of a dopey conversation. For my side, at least, it's dopey. Uh, Our guests always have very insightful things to say uh, and have great point of views that I cherish on this show. Uh, we are part of the That's Entertainment Podcast Network, and you can find us on thatentertains.com slash network or on awesomepodcast.com. Uh, and there are a couple important links for you to check out for us, like our Patreon, patreon.com slash thatentertains is a great way to support this show and the entire That's Entertainment Podcast Network. Uh, for as little as a dollar to a month, you can get uh, a base subscription, $5 a month, $10 a month. There's whole different levels that you can subscribe at, which gets you early access, high-quality audio, exclusive content, and much, much more. Check it out. Please follow this show on Twitter and Facebook, at RealAwesomePod, or you can follow me directly on Twitter, at ThatNerdyKev. As I was saying, it's been close to a year and a half uh, since we've had James D'Amato on the show. That's right, he's back. Mr. James D'Amato is one of my favorite people to sit down and chat with. Since we last spoke with James, he's accomplished quite a bit. He made the one-shot network his full-time job. The long-running Star Wars campaign is coming to an end with a new show rising in its ashes, and James has published a book. We chat about all that and more right here on AwesomePodcast.com. Please stick around after the interview because we're going to be doing a much different outro than we normally do here on the show. So please, please stick around. And again, you can find us right here on AwesomePodcast.com and ThatEntertains.com slash network. It's, it, I was looking today to, to see how long ago it was, and it was uh, episode 57 uh, back in March. Where are y'all at now? Uh, this is going to be episode one, 144, maybe? 145? Wow. Yes. Congratulations. That's You're, you're almost at the big 150. Yeah, yeah, which I probably should actually start looking at as as something to to do something special for. Uh, we're we're about to hit uh I think 300 over at one shot. Yeah. And I have not even charted out like a plan for it. In the past like every milestone I've been like, "Okay, you're going to have this at this point, so you should make sure that you get a big guest or something." No yeah. plans. Nothing yeah. like that. 
<laughs> no, I, I usually past milestone episodes have been uh, see 20 episode 25 was uh, me sitting in a car by myself interviewing myself as Batman. Uh, then episode 50 actually was the same thing because I was supposed to have a guy who whose actual name is Thor and he was going to we were going to talk to him as Marvel's Thor, but that <laughs> fell through. So so Batman came to the rescue the last second. And then uh, episode 100, we actually did, uh, so far, the only actual play uh, episode of Everything is Awesome where um, I had Jeff Stormer uh, run a live show uh, with his game that he's uh, about to launch, uh, Mission Accomplished. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we brought in a bunch of like local Philly improvisers so that like there was funny people, unlike myself, on the show. (laughs) Uh, And it was, it it was, uh, now... You do you guys do uh, like any live performances of actual plays? Yeah, yeah, we've we've done a bunch. Uh, it, it's like really only select games that we do it with, but like we've done a couple live uh, versions of Dread. Um, yeah, and we've done my game Millennial Apartment Hunters a couple times. It's it's I, I mean I've I've only played uh, I guess. I think I only play actual plays when they're involved with like a po- like role playing games when it's actually a podcast. I don't think I, <laughs> I I can't tell you the last time I sat down and played just to sit, sit around with friends. So I don't play that often. I'm more of like uh, uh, I'm a fan of like listening to you know your show obviously and uh, oh, the countless you. others uh, that are out there. A lot of them on your network. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we've definitely built up a collection at this point. Yeah, yeah, so, and and that's what I think is neat. Um, is so in the year and a half that you've uh, since you've been on this show, you have uh, done something that many of a podcaster dream of and and you do it full time now. That is true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to build up our Patreon to the point where it paid me enough to pursue this full time. Um, and that's been fantastic. It really has. Is is it uh, everything that a lot of us dream it's to be, or, or is there like some really uh, like uh, negative things that come along with it? So, I, I mean, I will say that even though this is work doing something that you know fulfills me artistically, creatively, um, and I, I care about it more than you know any day job I've ever had in my life, uh, that doesn't mean it's not work. Um, <laughs> And one of the things that you deal with, especially if you are pursuing your your passion as a career, is that you put fewer limitations on yourself. There's less of a divide uh, between you and your work when you do that. So, you know, it, it's easier to take things home with you and you have to work very hard to build up separations between, okay, when is it time to stop working? I, I think one of the things that podcasters or, or creative people generally, like comedians, worry about uh, when they decide to take their thing full time is like, oh man, how am I going to be able to motivate myself uh, to to do this thing when I'm working from home? Because it's such an unfocused environment. Uh, and, you know, how am I going to have professional rigor? Um, and I think there are perhaps some people that experience that problem. But uh, it's been more common for me to talk to other people like doing creative things full time. Uh, finding, trying to find an off switch is a lot harder, like uh, trying to actually step away and put it down and be like, OK, I am a person now. I, I am not working at this point. 
Yeah, I, I uh, and it, it's hard to, I guess, and I mean, you've experienced both sides of it now, but like, as someone who has a day job still, I uh, like every free moment I have, whether it's at my day job or it's after hours is like spent either being a dad or, or doing this or, mm-hmm. or, or one, one of the show editing a show on my network or something like that. Um, so it's, uh, I almost, I, I feel like it would just be constant work for me because it's, I, I, I can't imagine not wanting to sit around and just do it all day long. And then I, I guess my off switch would be my kids out. Like I have a built in off switch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, honestly, my, my wife has been a huge help in, you know, helping me uh, create those borders, create those separations between, you know, when is work time mm-hmm. and when is it time to relax and, and step outside of that part of yourself? Uh, it's still like all of my friends are involved in the industry. Like uh, there's still a lot of really, really close ties to work. And, you know, usually uh, what I do to relax and have fun is like play games, either role-playing games or, or board games. So I'm, I'm still like in it no matter what, but it, it is, it is a healthier relationship and, and it's, it's a difficult to create that divide initially. Um, and that has been the toughest thing I think that I've experienced from this, but uh, th- that, and like, uh, I do make money from the show, but it is not like a ton of money. It's not, uh, something that would, that I would accept like a wage that I would accept from any other job. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, like, like there are some financial trade-offs for it as mm-hmm. well. Um, but the, even though there are sacrifices, I do think of the sacrifices as worth it. And I feel extremely grateful and, and lucky that I'm able to do this. Yeah. And it also, I imagine allows you to have more time to do many more creative things outside of just the podcast or just the Twitch stream, you know, one of the things we're going to be talking about today, like you were able to write a book. Uh, I'm sure if you weren't doing, if you were had a day job, it would have been way more difficult to, to write that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's no way I could have written the book on, uh, the timeline that, that my publisher had me write that book, uh, if I was still in a day job. So that's definitely true. Like there, it has prov- afforded me so many other opportunities to pursue things creatively. Like, uh, and also it's helped me keep the network together. Uh, mm-hmm. If I still had a day job, I guarantee Cat leaving the network would have had an even larger impact uh, than mm-hmm. it already did because I wouldn't be able to keep one shot and campaign going uh, both by myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it has... it. it it has made it so that it is possible to do the things that I am doing today in like every conceivable way. Um, I cannot imagine a version of myself able to, to do all the things that I've done in the past year and a half uh, if I still had that day job. Yeah. I mean, I, I do want to say, cause you glossed over it. Uh, I do want to formally congratulate you on getting married. Uh, congrats, sir. Oh, thank you very uh, much. Uh, and, and it's, uh, I, I I guess it's got to be super nice to have someone that's uh, just I, I imagine super supportive. Otherwise, I, like how involved was was uh, your wife in the decision to like, no, should I do this full time? Like, sh- should I make the jump now? Did she help encourage you to push, you know, push towards that? 
Um, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't have health insurance if it wasn't for Mel. Like, uh, so I, and I think Mel has made a lot of sacrifices to help me, uh, make this career work. Um, and, and she's been tremendously supportive of that. Uh, and you know, without her, I certainly wouldn't be able to do this either because like, you know, I'd still have to, find some way to have access to healthcare or perhaps one shot as a business would be growing more slowly because I would have to be diverting more of our money towards, you know, keeping me alive. Yeah, Instead, yeah. I've been able to use that money and like, you know, put new shows on the network and uh, help, help provide our contributors more opportunities. So. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have like that, a, you know, a, a supportive system around you to, to, live out your wildest creative dreams you know uh it's it's nice to have that even if uh even when you're you have a day job because you probably need it more when you have the day job um speaking from experience because it's you you're so uh you're left with so little time to to do the creative thing because that stupid nine to fiver uh so to have someone like my fiance is very you know I, I work around, you know, the kids, the family when we have events and whatnot, but very supportive when I go do live shows or when I go do uh, panels at, at conventions or, or press. So it's it's uh, it's nice to have that support system. Absolutely. Like, you know, you, everyone in your life, it like spouses, uh, I, I imagine kids, I, I bet kids take more care than anything else, but, but I like any friends or family, they help fortify you and, and nurture you when you do something like this. Like there, it was a part of me when I was younger, starting out in this going, oh man, you know, if I wasn't going on dates all the time, I would have a lot more time to dedicate to my work. Uh, but I would have also like collapsed as a human being if I didn't take that time to care for myself. Yes. And, uh, you know, it is, it is Mel who helped me concoct a schedule with one shot that makes sense and allows me to step away and, and create uh, time for myself where I'm focused on relaxing and, and rejuvenating myself. And that's prevented me from burning out. So yeah. I could not have done this without her. And, and speaking of like a, a schedule, how, like, is, do you still kind of try to do a very traditional nine to five or does the, the nature of the type of work one shot is, is it, is it kind of all over the place or, or how does the schedule work? So I try to keep a nine to five schedule. Um, if I can, uh, it, it, it varies day to day, you know, and I, I, I like there, I think in the past four or five months, I have had to hold more meetings uh, as the person in charge of one shot than like I ever have in all of the years that I have been doing it before. Um, so like the nature of the work changes and, yeah. and, you know, I'm not able to spend like nine to five always editing the show or, or, you know, constructing our creative schedule for the next couple months or whatever uh it's when especially when you're running a small business like the title that you have like really means that you're just going to be doing a bunch of different small jobs mm -hmm. uh, across the board so um I, like <laughs> i i try to keep that nine to five schedule but it is uh it is difficult to parse like what the actual hours are mm -hmm. i will say before i left the day job i think i put about uh, 50 hours a week into one shot. And now 
uh, that I'm out of the day job, I I think it is closer to 40, um, but oh, okay. it is a more efficient 40. Um, ah. You know, I'm, I'm using that time a lot better. I, I'm not stealing moments and mm-hmm. uh, beating my head against the wall when I'm already tired to get a piece of content done. So it's it's a much healthier and more efficient work schedule. That's that's neat. That's I that I think is what as a as a content creator like what gets me is like I'm putting so much and I, I don't put 50 hours a week into into this uh, necessarily, but I I still put in like what, what even if it's 20 to 30 hours a week extra. It's like how how that's a, can, that's a job. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's it's I would say I probably it's closer to 30 than it is, you know, anything lower than that. Um, and, and we'll creep up to 40, especially if there's like cons to go to and whatnot, like that, cause that's a eight to 10 hour day, um, of me doing like now it's, it's, it's not just me going there for fun. Now I'm going to either like at, uh, Keystone comic con, the, the new con in, in Philly. I actually was, that's, I was there to work as the press. Like I was there covering everything. Um, and then wizard world, I was, I was doing a panel. Uh, so that was a little bit more fun. That was a little like, less work, but, uh, still work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I, that's where I hope like to, I, I think it's amazing that you were able to actually shave, not only your day job, so that's 40 hours, but 10 hours off your one shot work and, and it'd be more effective. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like it is one of those things where I, if, if I was still doing things that way, I imagine it would leave me so tired that, that I would be getting either the same amount done in a longer period of time or, or even less done. Um, so it, it, it's really amazing what a, a healthy schedule can bring you uh, in your creative work, for sure. And man, so so and so many other things have changed. Obviously, you mentioned Cat leaving the network, which I'm sure was devastating, uh, you know, for you, because uh, now you're doing it on your your own, the, the network, right? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it was a difficult decision for for both of us to make, mm-hmm. but you know, we wanted to prioritize our friendship mm-hmm. in all things, and we realized that that was the right thing to do uh, for us as friends, which ultimately meant that it was the most important thing to do. Um, and I don't think it's been easy for either of us uh, like necessarily, but I think in the long run, it, it's definitely going to be a good thing. Um, for me personally, it has meant taking on a lot more work because, you know, I have been editing all of the episodes of campaign that have been coming out. Uh, and that's like in addition to, uh, uh, setting up the new campaign, which uh, generates a lot of work um, and all of the things that like used to be sort of shared labor between Kat and I uh, logistically, managerially uh, running the network are now sort of all on my shoulders. And I'm trying to, you know, with the rest of the hosts on the network and, and the team that we have behind the scenes, uh, I'm, I'm trying to delegate work more and, uh, you know, trust other people to take care of things as they are out of my hands uh, so that we can keep this network running in its new form. It's, uh, and I would imagine, especially the, the content, uh, the actual art that you created, it's, that's gotta be a hard thing is, is like having that trust in someone else to say, here, take, take all this and make it, edit it into something listenable like that. I, like my heart, I'm having a panic attack 
for you thinking about having to to trust someone else to do that. I don't know. And maybe because I, I, I'm, I've always been very solo in my podcasting career. Like I have a lot of friends that, that will come on and be a guest or help me co-host or whatever. And they'll help me, but no one else runs anything with me. It's all me. So it, it would feel really like I, like I, to trust someone to be like, Hey, make this sound good. Because obviously everyone like that, that the, the art of editing is, is very, it, it's you edit different than I edit, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that's a lot of trust you have. Is, is it like, um, is that hard to, to let go like that creative? Not exactly. I I've been podcasting for six years now. And from the very beginning, it was a collaboration. My first okay. show was called the overshare. Mm-hmm. And I did that with my buddy, Alex Manich. Um, and for the first, I want to say 15, 20 episodes of the overshare, I edited the show and, uh, Alex came to me, you know, when we were a little bit into our collaboration together and said, Hey, I want to learn how to edit. And he just sort of took over from that point. Um, and letting go, you know, I realized like, Hey, the show still comes out if, if I'm not the one that edited, edits it, you know, at the end of the day for me as an artist, um, because I'm managing so many different things, the Mm -hmm. most important thing is that something gets done. Um, and it does not matter who does it, uh, with skyjacks in particular, you know, that is something that is extremely close to me. Uh, I have, collaborated with all of the performers to build up a setting that really feels like it's ours. Um, Mm -hmm. And I am extremely excited about the stories that we're telling on that show. Uh, And as I am handing them off to editors um, to manage that aspect of the show for me, that there is part of me that's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this and, and make sure that that certain aspects of this are done correctly and whatnot. Um, But, like I, I am working very hard to have myself go, you know, no, I am not even the best creative editing voice for this program. Uh, there, there are people who are better at, you know, working with music than I am. There are people, uh, who will have more time and will be coming at it with fresher eyes. So they're going to catch things that I don't catch as they go through on their edits. Um, which, you know, ultimately means that it's going to be the best thing for, for this creative project that I really do care very much about uh, to place it in somebody else's hands. Uh, that's see, I, I wish I had that. That's, that's something maybe I, that's, I, maybe that's the lesson I'll take away from you after this interview is, is to let go of some things and have other people edit things for me. Uh, but the, you mentioned uh, campaign, uh, the new sky check, uh, how, how is it? Because obviously, I mean, you see the the outpouring of support and love from uh, from everyone on Twitter with the the hashtag Binoc, uh, and how, what's the Star Wars campaign meant to them? Uh, and I know, like, I I'm I'm waiting for for the last episode or two, however you ended up uh, uh, editing it down uh, to come out. I, like that's going to be a very emotional day uh, for many people, my myself included. How has it been like since you're pretty much you've you've been doing both old campaign and new campaign how has it been especially leading up to to this week the last episode of star wars campaign like how is that emotional ride for you so um 
I, I, I think I will take it back to something that Johnny and JPC said to me after Gen Con this year. Uh, we went to Gen Con and we did our campaign live show panel uh, where, you know, we got everybody who was at Gen Con who had been involved in campaign. Uh, we got them to come to that panel and, and do their characters and do some ridiculous bits for the audience. Um, and we had somebody there uh, on, on Twitter, they're called Coaster Child and, and Coast was there with the most incredible Lenik Gilo cosplay imaginable. Wow. And someone else, someone else that was there in an unbelievable Nemoidian Sparks cosplay. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we had so many like enthusiastic people who were so happy to see us. And, and we put on this performance uh, that was just us having fun together. And he said, Johnny, you know, like said to us while we were in the back sort of right after everything was, was clearing out just after taking photos with all the fans and whatnot, Johnny said, this was great. This felt so great doing this, but it also showed me that we, this is over now. Um, and, and I feel good about that. Uh, it, it has been tough letting go of campaign. Um, it has been like such an emotionally close thing for me. Uh, campaign is not only like this truly incredible thing that, that helped me leave my day job and, and pursue my, my dream career. Uh, but it's also the longest like campaign role-playing campaign that I've ever played in. Um, I, I felt tremendously close to the character Bacta. I, I really do very much care about everything that happens to Lenik and Trist and Lynn and Tamlin. Uh, you know, like it, it, it's so difficult stepping away from that, but, uh, everybody who's been involved with Skyjacks, like from the first moment when we were sort of sketching out what is the show going to be after we finish the star Wars campaign, uh, you know, we started putting this world together and very clearly uh, you could see that everyone involved bought in immediately. Um, and this isn't like a campaign where, you know, we were we were playing in a couple different people's sandboxes, right? Yes. Like there's there's Star Wars, you know, that is this massive property that not only is it like does it belong to a corporation, um, but it belongs to to a huge fan base that that all have huge opinions about what it is and and what it should be and uh when you're somebody like like me or like JPC um maybe less so Johnny and Cat uh who who you know we know Star Wars we like Star Wars but we're certainly not the most knowledgeable people uh in any room that we walk into about yeah. Star Wars uh it is it like it doesn't feel like it's entirely a thing that you possess even if you make a character that is truly your own and the world of campaign is distinct i think from most mainstream star wars stuff mm -hmm. uh like it, it it feels a little bit borrowed and on top of that you know campaign i can say unquestionably was cat's show um it was it's a collaboration like it is at the end of the day for for any 
actual play that you do. Um, like so many of the great moments came about because we had this brilliant ensemble cast working very hard together. Um, but Kat made it very clear to us that, you know, she was to have final edits on the production and she made decisions about the story. Um, and in Skyjacks and how we put together Skyjacks, uh, the performers, because we're all improvisers, we're, we're used to working as an ensemble. Uh, and so we put things together a lot more collaboratively um, and everyone has a lot more agency over that world because there's not a built-in history. There aren't, you know, thousands or millions of people who have opinions about what the universe should be. And at least right now in, in these early stages, uh, I, as the game master, am not uh, of the opinion that this world is totally mine and that I should be in control of the story. Um, because, you know, I feel like half of the time when I'm looking at something in the Skyjacks universe, it's something that like Liz or, or Tyler or JPC came up with. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how that works. I, I, I don't have the answer to that question. Um, so it, it feels, uh, I don't know, it, it feels different and, and refreshing in how it's different. Um, so while I am so sad to be leaving behind the campaign universe, because I truly love the characters from our star Wars campaign, uh, everybody over at the Skyjacks team is really excited to bring our audience this new story and, and these new characters and build something fresh together. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am campaign Star Wars, and I, and I'm more. Despite how much Star Wars actually means to me, I'm actually more a lot like like uh, you in the sense that like I'm not an expert at any, like I like the movies, and, and I've maybe read a book outside in the expanded universe. Aside from that, I haven't even watched any of the cartoons uh, yet. So. Uh, it's, you know, it's more of a, an attachment with my uncle <clears throat> that I have because of it. Uh, and, and, you know, you guys rolled around for me personally, right when I needed it the most. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be sad to say goodbye, you know, this week. Uh, but I am super excited for, for Skyjacks. Uh, and, and you mentioned it's totally, uh, you know, an open sandbox cause it's, 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 you guys created it, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we created it inspired by the music of the Decemberists. So we were uh, using like the folk tales that show up in those musics and, and, and like uh, the general tone of Decemberist music. And like, you know, we were like, okay, so the world is populated by sad sailors and people struggling to live in, in like uh, sort of an older economy. Um, so we, we, we took that as inspiration but like there are no rules for the world because we write the rules for the world and i think everybody's characters like did a really good job at echoing those core themes uh and we sort of built the world up around those characters and now it's you know it's ours to be let loose in mm -hmm. uh now what's obvious you know we the star wars campaign used the uh used the the fantasy flight system are you guys using uh, a particular system for um for skyjacks 
So we are using Genesis as our core resolution system. For those that don't know, Genesis is the generic version of the Star Wars okay. role-playing game that Fantasy Flight put out. Uh, but we're making a lot of changes to it. Uh, and, you know, I don't even know that Genesis is going to be the game that we use by the end of uh, what we do with Skyjacks. It, it's just the solution that works right now because all of the performers know it. Um, okay. But uh, the big change that we've made right off the bat is uh, we incorporated a mechanic uh, that's similar to one used in the Invisible Sun role-playing game published by Monty Cook Games. Uh that uh, uses the deck of luminaries from uh, the card game Illimat. Mm. If you don't know Illimat, Illimat is a like sort of traditional Hoyle's book of card games style game uh, that was designed by Keith Baker in collaboration with the Decemberists. Uh, it's this really cool old style card game that uh, like it is so well designed and so much fun to play. Uh, at this point in my life, I look at games like poker as kind of a waste of time. Okay. Poker okay. seems very boring to me. It's like the checker to the chess of Illimat. Uh, uh -huh. It's so it's such a fun game, but it uses these like large style um, tarot style cards that add new rules to the game as you play it um, and make it so that each uh, hand of Illimat plays differently. Um, and we use those tarot, tarot style cards as a storytelling foundation in the world. Uh, and you flip over tarot cards uh, in our role playing in our version of this role playing game to uh, determine thematic influence on the world. Uh, you'll be able to see how we do it in the first couple episodes, um, but it's a way for us to take a more shorthand look at certain things in storytelling um, that it like grounds things to character a lot more because like if you've ever gotten a tarot reading, uh, you're automatically sort of looking for connections to your real life. Like uh, just because you're a human being, you, you find those connections easily and, and you build those connections easily. And when you do that in storytelling, um, it creates a really strong, cohesive story. You're always looking for the themes uh, for your character or, or the best uh, thematic influence for the particular moment of the story that you happen to be in um through the divination of the cards uh i think it's really fascinating and like people listening won't even know how exciting and interesting certain moments are until we get like 10 or 12 episodes into the show because some of the cards that we pulled match the characters so perfectly uh you don't even appreciate it until you know everything about the characters uh-huh i i yeah i'm super I can't wait for Skyjacks. Uh and it's I don't know. It, it's it's uh it seems like a nice it's gonna be a fun piratey. I don't know if pirate's the right thing, but a piratey adventure is what it seems like. And and it and it almost seems like it is uh like a loose continuation of even Star Wars campaign because that that vibe I get listening to the crew of the Minoc is very uh, it's, it's almost pirate like, you know, so yeah, piratey was the big, was a big thing that we were pulling on because with, uh, 
with the world that we were trying to create with first fear, uh, when we were looking at December stuff, like you could have done a really good, very true to, um, what they're going for, uh, thing with Decemberists, uh, like folk tales and whatnot. If you did sort of an anthology series, that's vignettes, peeking inside a world and just like looking at people as their lives fall apart. Um, but to us, that didn't feel very true to what campaign is mm-hmm. or, or so much true to like the popular idea of what a role-playing game is. Like at the end of the day, a role-playing game is adventure fiction. Um, so, and, and everything's a little bit larger than life. Um, so while in a Decemberist story, uh, if somebody got in a fight, you know, they might get stabbed in the stomach and start bleeding out and sing a sad ballad as they're doing so. Um, but in, in a role-playing game, like you are telling a story about the character who survives that fight and, and goes on to the next one. Um, so like we, we, we looked at what is adventure fiction? What is classic adventure fiction? Um, and a big part of that are, are stories like Treasure Island. You know, uh, piracy uh, is a huge, huge part of that. And it also, it feels like very close together because a like, classic literature that's like kind of uh, adventure and and kind of downbeat and Decemberisty is something like Moby Dick. Uh, it's, it's the perfect sort of crossover to have this, uh, kind of maritime influence. Um, so pirate fiction is, is a lot of it. And like the original concept that Johnny and JPC came to me with is they said, we, we want to be sky pirates. Let's figure out how to make that happen. Uh, and so we, we talked through things and eventually, uh, I suggested like this Decemberist influence because I had just seen one of their concerts, uh, in Chicago and I had been listening to, uh, their new album, I'll be your girl, like nonstop, uh, for a long time. And I'm like, Hey, w- how would we feel about doing something like this and, and tying in this influence? But yeah, uh, to get back at what you were saying earlier, the core of Star Wars is adventure fiction as well. It's pulp serials that uh, George Lucas was really inspired by when when he put that story together. Um, so the connection to campaign, the connection to piracy fiction, like it's all there because we were very much going for that. Uh, and that is, uh, if I remember the dates correctly, that is, so Skyjacks is going to debut next week, right? On the 17th? Yep. Next oh. Next Wednesday. So, uh, and I, and if you're listening to that, that's literally, uh, one week from today. If you're, if you're, uh, listening on release day, uh, you'll see it in seven days and I am, I'm stoked. Uh, it's, it's sad to see the, the chapter end on star Wars, but there's, uh, an exciting new chapter that, that I think everyone's excited for. It sounds like at least. Yeah. I think everybody is sort of bracing themselves for an emotional last episode, uh, to campaign at this point, it looks like most people have voted that they would like everything to be released as one big episode. I think they're expecting an emotional ride. It is a debrief episode mm-hmm. and as I was editing it, I think it might be the funniest thing that we've ever done. So I, people might go in expecting to, to hear themselves cry and, and perhaps you will, but it is a funny one. It is a good one. 
Well, those those debriefing ones, those bottle episodes are, are usually I don't want to say my favorite because there's a lot of moments that happen in, in, in the other actual adventure stories uh, through Star Wars campaign that uh, that I, I love as well. But those those bottle episodes are truly hilarious. It's it's where you guys really kind of just let loose. And for me, like, hey, that's exciting to know that there's gonna be a lot of laughter. Um, I think the I don't think necessarily I was ex- I'm expecting at least uh, an emotional like uh, episode. Um, I think it's more just emotional for me to know that this is going to be the, the last time I, I listen to something new from the Star Wars campaign universe. Uh, but uh, it's, it's allowing me an opportunity now to to go back and, and re-listen to you know everything again. Like that's that's the beautiful thing is like. And I, I, I don't know how people are reacting, you know, aside from what I see in Twitter, but if I, like you can always go back and listen to episode one of campaign and just listen to it again. Like the crew of the Minoc will be there forever. So uh, I'm excited, but I'm excited for Skyjacks uh, coming out on the 17th uh, and uh, what, what you have planned for that. That it seems super exciting with, with the kind of, uh, you know, brand new setting never seen before uh, and modified game mechanics. Um i'm excited i i am very excited to to show it off too i i've already shared the first episode with uh people who've done fan art fan fiction cosplay and like other fan driven creative projects for for one shot programs in the past um and the reaction to that has been very good uh so i can't wait to share it with our larger audience too i i think it's it's going to be great uh, so I do want to, uh, let's, let's chat about, uh, the book now. Uh, that's the oh, other yeah. big thing that has happened. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty more things that, that have happened in the last year and a half that we could talk about, but, uh, these are kind of the major ones that I wanted to hit on. Uh, <laughs> and, and obviously the book is a huge deal. Uh, the, and I have it sitting next to me right now. Uh, the, the ultimate RPG character backstory guide. Props and activities to create the most interesting story for your character by Mr. James D'Amato right there on the, the book. That How exciting is it to see your name in print? It is wild. I mean, I sort of had a little bit of this experience before when I did noisy person cards. Yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, being somebody uh, who is dyslexic uh, and was like diagnosed with dyslexia when I was eight. Uh, I never expected to write a book in my life. Uh, And the whole process uh, of of putting this book out has felt entirely surreal. Um, It's and uh, like, I I, I still can't believe it exists when when I look at it. it is it has been a really wild ride and i guess i don't have uh all the words that i need to <laughs> express that well and and you did you shared your story um about uh having dyslexia uh and uh and having to write this book on twitter uh, and it was like a really like a very well written thread um I think I think you mentioned that one of them had a typo. Yeah, a couple uh, of them had typos. But, but it's the the message that was there was like it, you know, it's it was like over. I don't know if overcoming is the 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 right word phrasing, but being able to to do something that is a challenge for you and and completing it and doing it well, um, that was that's such an important message. I think to to share with especially young people um, who who ha- deal with things that they feel 
hold them back. Uh, and, and being able to see someone like you, uh, who, who can like get over that hurdle. I, again, I don't know if I'm phrasing that right. Cause I feel like yeah. you still have, you still, it's not like it went away, but you were able to get the book done. Um, and that, I think, I, I don't know if that's like the biggest sense of pride for you, but that's, it sure hell feels like it for me. Like if that, I, I'm not, uh, I, I guess I, I don't have any kind of reading issues. I have writing issues. I'm not well, at, I'm not, I don't structure words together. Well, obviously mm-hmm. as I through this statement here, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, so when I do sit down and write fiction, it's like, all right. And so, and I give it to a friend and, and he reads it and it's like, oh, it's good on you. This is a good story. You should post it somewhere. Like, it's a good sense of pride that, Hey, I was able to like structure together pages of things that actually made sense. Um, so is that like the biggest sense of pride from the book is, is doing it just in spite of, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things, uh, where again, like I, I just, didn't expect it to happen and the way that it came about was uh like so surreal because it was the publisher approaching me asking me to do it and like initially i didn't even understand that they wanted me to write the whole book uh and by the time that i figured that out we were also what we were already pretty far into like negotiations. Like it was basically from their end. They're like, Oh yeah, we're ready to pull the trigger on this thing and sign contracts. And I was like, Oh, you meant the whole book. (laughs) Um, so like I addressed the task of doing it like one small part at a time. So like even during the writing process, when I was very deep into doing that work, it never felt like, uh, like that was a huge, like I was taking on this monumental challenge. It always felt like I was doing a bunch of smaller challenges uh, towards this goal. And the editorial process for this book happened so quickly. Like it it happened in, in less than a month and then it disappeared for a while. And then I got an email from like my publisher's publicist being like, okay, let's get ready to promote this thing. Um, and you know, now it's out. Uh, so I haven't spent a lot of time able to emotionally process it and it is kind of a wild thing and it's also doing uh, pretty well right now. Uh, so it's, I don't know. It's this very surreal thing that I like, I'm very happy that I did. And I'm, I'm very amazed that I was able to do it. Um, and a lot of good things have come out of it. And it's anyone that hasn't picked it up yet. Or if, if you, if you've, um, if you've just been curious about it, like it's what I love about it as someone who uh, I, I am definitely a tabletop uh, role-playing enthusiast. I, I love mm-hmm. listening to, as I mentioned earlier, podcasts and stuff. I do very, very little of it in my, in my own personal life. Um, you know, because everyone I know is adults and we all have kids. So it's, it's hard to, to get that group together from time to time. Um, but what I love about it is despite it being made to, to kind of work on, uh, you know, characters for, you know, whatever role-playing game that you're, you're playing. It's, it's actually a really good tool. I found it to be for when I'm wanting to develop characters for a book I'm working on or even beyond the character. Like it's, it, it, you can build the world, a, fi- a fictional world from this book. Um, so I think it's anyone 
that is a creative um, storyteller could find use from this book because you can expand a character that you created for your story's background. You can create a holiday for your whole, the whole world of your story. Um, and I, I think that's like, I don't know if that was something in your, was that something in your head that when you, when you started doing this was like, Oh, this will be used. Like this could be used for more than just role-playing games. Uh, so I did think of like there being a couple practical applications for it. Uh, the idea of somebody using it as creative writing, like, you know, was a faint idea for some of the exercises in the back of my head, but I I really didn't anticipate uh, like the number of people who have been reaching out to me and saying like, Hey, I'm a writer and this, this is something that's going to be useful to me uh, Mm -hmm. to sort of encourage my creative writing process. Uh, And like my, my publisher suggested to me that people who play video game uh, based role-playing games uh, can use this to flesh out their own personal like characters backstory in those video games. Um, so people have like come up with uses for this book that are far beyond what I originally envisioned when, when I sat down to write it. And, and that's been incredible. Like that's what you hope for when you create any role-playing game related product is that you hope you give somebody something that they can take and make their own in ways that would surprise you and it's i mean a it's also very beautiful like i love like it's the the cover is i think you know it's a simple design but like it it makes it work like it's a rock star design like it's i don't know there's it's just a it's something i carry in my bag with me all the time now uh (laughs) and it's you know i pick out if i want to have you know like I say, if I need to figure something out for a character that I'm working on for something, or like I'm, I'm working on a, a, a project for um, a podcast uh, that I'm like this, this and the, the source material for the game are going to be side by side. And it's going to be helping fuel the whole, basically the whole podcast uh, because oh, wow. yeah, it, I mean, it's, it, because it's not dungeon, like I'm not doing a Dungeons and Dragons thing. It's something that's very, and I, you know, I can tell you when we're not recording because I haven't announced it yet. But it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that's very, I think, unique in the world of of actual plates. And it's, it's, you know, I, I want to say last time we we talked, you know, almost 100 episodes ago, um, how you know when you started doing the, the doing one shot, it was a, uh, a small landscape for actual play podcasts. For sure, yeah. And and you know shows like one shot and the adventure zone and um, other actual play podcasts have helped like just expand that, that uh, entertainment field big time. Uh, so it's almost like I, every time I have an idea, I'm like, well, it doesn't have a hook enough for me to actually like go out and do this because it's already being done somewhere else. And so I finally found like a project that would work. And, and as I started working on it, I, uh, I got the, the review copy electronically for your book. And I started looking at that. I was like, this is going to, Hey, it's just, it just gives more content to, to what I have planned. Um, and so that's why it's, it sits with me every single day. It's with me seven <laughs> days a week. Uh, and it's, it's again, I think anyone out there, uh, that is in, does anything creatively would find a good use for it. Um, and, and do you have plans uh, to do like any kind of uh, follow up uh, to this book or just in general? Like, has this sparked your uh, writing ambition at all? 
Well, it's uh, too early to say anything for sure. I, I, I will say for the past couple of years, I have been kicking around the idea of putting out a guide uh, that sort of explains uh, my process and approach to when I run role-playing games. Um, like similar to, you know, very early on in the history of One Shot, I did a small show called Critical Success, where I sort of broke down different techniques and and approaches to how I operate at the table. And that eventually just became, you know, too much work for me to balance alongside One Shot. Uh, but it is something that I've always wanted to uh, put together. And certainly writing this book has taught me that I am capable of writing a book. Um but, you know, I, I, I am somebody who has a lot of different options for, for how I want to spend my time. Uh, so I, I can't say for certain exactly uh, how I'll be doing things in the future. But if my publisher is interested in working with me again, uh, perhaps uh, I'd be able to come up with something else. Uh, I hope so. And, and I, I would uh, like I would love to see something like fiction from you because you're a wonderful storyteller. Like it, it's. Uh, every you know whether it's on one shot or um you know i guess one shot because you you're just editing campaign currently so we'll see with skyjacks but definitely with one shot <laughs> uh you know these little mini like anthologies that you're basically putting together you're a wonderful storyteller and i think that you could do obviously you can write a book as you mentioned it's it's what's nice about it is it's 100 activities. So for, for you, it sounds like that was nice because you were able to break that up into basically 100 chunks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what I'm asking you to do is definitely a lot harder is saying, write me a 300 page novel. But uh, I would, I, I would love to see you do something like that in the future uh, because I think you're a wonderful storyteller and uh, obviously you could write a book now. So uh, that, that would be a neat challenge to see you do. Yeah, it, it, I, I I would be interested to to see how that turned out for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like you, one thing that I have sort of learned uh, is that the reason that I gravitated towards podcasting is for me it is the easiest and and most immediately fulfilling mm. form of uh, creative expression for me. Yes. Uh, which is why I do one shot. Um, like, and and one of the reasons I love role playing games is I find them so creatively rewarding and fulfilling. I have so many ideas, so many creative ideas that it's hard for me to keep up with them, even uh, with one shot, where I'm essentially getting to tell a new story every month. Uh, you know, going and doing something like writing a novel or or a screenplay or what have you. Uh, it's an exciting idea, uh, but I don't know how well I'd be able to keep up with it, uh, like or how long I'd be able to stay interested in that, because I, I'm trying to get out as much creativity as I possibly can while I have the ideas. Um, but, you know, who knows? Like, uh, I never thought I would write a book either. And, yeah. and here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. So is there any... Um anything else big coming up with you and one shot or, or you personally, like, you know, like the book, is there any other big projects you got, uh, you're working on that you can talk about? Well, one of the big things that we're working on right now over here at one shot is converting our live stream series, a woman with hollow eyes into a podcast. Okay. Um, so we are, we've finished editing a couple episodes. I, I think I'm going to wait until I have a small backlog before I start releasing it publicly. Um, but when we do, it's going to be another podcast, uh, like, like the shows that we have already out on the network. 
Um, and that will help us lead into uh, launching season two of A Woman with Hollow Eyes, which is going to be kickstarted the same way that season one was kickstarted. Um, that that show, uh, for those who don't know, uses uh, Monty Cook Games' Invisible Sun role-playing game. Uh, it's GM'd by Darcy Ross, uh, who is a very dear friend of mine and also happens to be the community relations coordinator for Monty Cook Games. Um, it's something that uh, she and I sort of like uh, conspired to put together before she even worked at MCG. <laughs> um and, you know, when Invisible Sun finally started coming out, uh, we were really excited to to put it together and actually bring it to the world. Um, uh, it stars myself, Cat Cool, and uh, used to star, season one at least, starred Alan Linick, um, who is a performer uh, who used to live in Chicago, uh, who, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for and I love playing with. Um but uh, he recently got cast uh, on SNL as a writer, uh, so he had to move off to New York. So he is not going to be able to return for season two. But we're we're really excited still yeah. about where where the story can go and uh, what we can do with our characters. And that's uh, that's the game where there's a lot of uh, material to help play when you're not at the table, right? Like because you did a couple one shot specials. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are a couple different ways to play Invisible Sun, and uh, they have something called development mode uh, using the Sooth deck, which is an idea that I found so inspirational. I, I adapted it uh, to uh, our play style and campaign. It, it's the mechanic that I based uh, our Luminary system mm -hmm. on. Um it's a phenomenal mechanic and like uh, MCG is putting out like an app uh, to accompany um, that that mechanic uh, so that you should be able to play even when you're not at the table, which is a really fascinating thing. That's and that's something that I, I think is incredibly useful because there's. Uh, a lot of games, a lot of times your, your table, you, maybe you can only meet once every other month and there's so much more that you could do to stay invested. That's, I think that's like a huge problem with, with my table uh, that my, uh, my buddy ran uh, where like we play it and then suddenly people can't make it for a month or two. And then we just kind of forget about the game because it's been six months. Uh, so that's right. a great, like uh, a tool to like, at least keep some people uh, when they're not at the table or able to meet uh, interested in the game and keep it alive, you know, beyond that between meetings. Absolutely. Uh, and actually, uh, the way that Invisible Sun works, like they sort of have a pre-programmed in as part of the system way to explain away certain characters not arriving for certain sessions and whatnot. Uh, it's a role-playing game that was designed very much for storytelling the way stories get told through role-playing games. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of cool innovations for that game, uh, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited that we're we're going to be featuring it again uh, for a second season. Yeah, and that's one that I, I it's I, hard for me to watch uh, the, Twitch, the Twitch stream just because when I'm not when you guys are on, I'm usually playing dad. So I, and I I'm <laughs> always afraid that I can go back and rewatch on the YouTube stream. So I'm excited that it's coming out as a podcast because that's like the easiest form for me to do anything. Uh, and where I listen to like, I, I want to say 90% of my role playing uh, podcasts I listen to are from the one shot network. Uh, there's like, Philadelphia is starting to get a bunch more that, that I'm at least discovering. So I'm, I listen to those because I, <laughs> I like to support the home team as well. But 
yeah, I, I'm super excited for uh, just like I love how much content you're curating on the One Shot Network. Oh, well, thank you very much. We, we've, I, I am really excited about all the new shows that we're adding. Uh, is there uh, any plans, uh, you know, to to ex- to expand the network further? Uh, I, I guess we're almost out of time for 2018, but how do you look ahead like to 2019? <laughs> like, hey, let's try to add two more shows a year or, or how's that go? Um, so I, I think, uh, there will be more shows that, that have not been announced, but I kind of want to wait until some of those shows are further along. Uh, something, uh, I, I love all the people that I'm collaborating with. Um, but some people are so excited to get a show in process that they'll announce it like months before it's ready to go up. Uh, and I usually like to announce things pretty close to when they're going up, at least for podcasts. It's different if like you're writing a role-playing game mm-hmm. or something like that. But for a podcast, like I want to announce it and I want people to be able to find it right away and for, for us to be already kind of on a schedule with it and and, and whatnot. Uh, so there are new shows that we're going to be adding. I don't know how many new shows we intend to add in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to, like, because I, I don't want to grow too quickly too much and take on too much yes. responsibility because, like, in order to add new shows, we also need to be able to grow that Patreon so the funding from the network can support yes. everyone. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, we we do want to, you know, continue pursuing our main goals, which are to make uh, role-playing games more accessible and uh, to make the hobby uh, more inclusive. Uh, so doing like a- adding shows uh, when we add those shows are always going to have that sort of at the mm. forefront of, of our minds. I love that that is uh, important to your network. That's something I straight up stole for, for my network of, <laughs> of wanting to be an inclusive place to, to have people that, you know, maybe feel like they don't have a place to have their voice heard or whatever. We live in a shitty time right now. And I think people should be sharing their voice way more than they are. Uh, and I, I love like that. And I, I forget where it was. Maybe your pa- maybe it was your Patreon video where, where you mentioned the inclusivity. I, I've seen it somewhere written multiple times or, or heard it multiple times from the one shot. And I, I 100% stole that inclusivity line from you guys. Cause it, it is, it's super important to me. Uh, as well uh, that anything whether it's role-playing games podcasting in general uh it gets everyone's representation and not just the normal waspy dude like me yeah (laughs) well i mean you've seen that everywhere because that is like a core mission statement for our company um uh and whenever we do something we we try to do something with that mission statement in mind uh so like what we're always trying to build towards that. And when we add a new show or when, you know, we decide that a show isn't for our network, uh, that's, that is usually one of the big factors behind that decision. There's always like the financial consideration or, you know, I don't know structurally if we can support a, a new show like this right now. But uh, the, the other thing is like, you know, when we're thinking through it uh, or we're thinking through anything that we do with our resources is, you know, how does this make RPGs more accessible? How does this make the community surrounding RPGs approachable to more people and, and, and different types of people? Um, so 
we 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 work towards that and the reason that it's reiterated everywhere is like that's that's how you work towards that as you keep reminding yourself that that's what you're going for uh there is a ton more that i wanted to get to uh i, I wanted to chat wrestling with you a little bit because i don't think we talked we chatted much about that last time <laughs> and we missed it this time but I, I think the good news is uh you will be probably doing something with dungeon dome sometime next year if i remember the note that you made about that uh in in your card game kickstarter uh yeah we are we are looking to do uh some more dungeon dome stuff next year i i am sad that we didn't get to do as much uh, this year so so uh we'll definitely have to have you back on when it's time to to you know do the promotional rounds for for dungeon dome whatever form that takes uh in 2019 uh and then that then we can solely focus on that genre of role-playing and wrestling and all that stuff i feel that's more appropriate anyway but uh uh, please let everyone know where they can find you, your your podcast, your book, uh, anything else that I didn't I, I, that you're doing that I didn't list. Uh, where can people find all that? Uh, so, if you are looking for my podcasts and the entertainment stuff that I put out, you can head over to oneshotpodcast.com. There, you'll be able to find my shows, One Shot and Campaign, along with all of the other wonderful shows that we have on the network. Uh, whether you're looking for actual play programs, uh, you can find shows like The Broadswords and Neo Scum. Or you're looking for interview and discussion-based programs uh, where you can check out Backstory and Modifier uh, and new shows like Asians Represent. Uh, that is all going to be held there. Uh, you can also search for any of those shows on your favorite podcast app of choice. And if you want to connect with me, the easiest place to contact me is over on Twitter at OneShotRPG. And if for whatever reason you're not a Twitter person, you can always send me an email over at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And if you're looking for the book, um, you can pick up my new book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, uh, anywhere books are sold. It's going to be in indie brick and mortar bookstores. It'll be in larger chains like Barnes and Noble and pretty much every online seller. If you are you know, kind enough to go out and purchase a book, I would be most appreciative if you took the time to leave a review for us over on Amazon, Goodreads, or, or whatever site uh, you can. Those reviews really help the visibility of the book, uh, which makes it so that I uh, have uh, less than no income, which would be nice. <laughs> yeah, and I... I, I... One of the coolest things is, and I, I don't know where it's, I didn't look today, but the other day, I want to probably say release day, uh, I saw on uh, Amazon's uh, page for it how it was like, num I think, number one in, in the genre. Uh, it is it is number one uh, in certain categories. It's, it's number one in GURPS. It's number one in Shadowrun. Actually, kind of a big achievement. Right now, it is number one in Pathfinder. Wow. Um which is which is yeah. kind of big, uh, but I think we're like number ten in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, which is still That's not really bad. Yeah. But they're probably comparing. Uh, I'm probably looking at like them selling tens of thousands of units, uh, <laughs> which is which is probably not a gap that I'm I'm going to be able to bridge. But uh, it's very exciting to see the response to it. Uh, my publisher has told me that it's very good. So uh, I'm happy. Yeah, with it. And like I said, uh, when we talked about it earlier, I think if, even if you don't play role-playing games and you're more of a, a, a fan of it, like I am where I listen to a bunch of podcasts about it, uh, but you are a creative person. I, 
I think almost anybody could find a use out of this book, whether it's you're a writer that needs to build a world or, hey, you just need writing exercises. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a great book for that where you can take 10 minutes and go through an activity or two and, and help. You know, some of them maybe don't necessarily help with creative writing, but some of them are all about creative writing. So I think anyone that's creative, at least, can find a use for this book. Um, so go out and get it. Uh, I highly recommend it. I, I I was not satisfied with just the uh, the, the PDF copy, so I, I made sure to pre-order and, and had it shipped to me day of. So I I and plus, I mean, <laughs> for me at least, I think it's great to just hold the book. So I would say go buy the print version. Uh, it's beautiful to look at. It's going to look gorgeous on a bookshelf. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. I love the book. So, uh, James, thank you for being on the show. And I can't wait to have you on again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. as always. I'm recording this on the eve of the last episode of Star Wars campaign being released. Super friends. Heroes. I can't praise that story that Cat Cole, along with James D'Amato, JPC and Johnny O'Mara and several guest stars enough campaign has meant the world to me over the last two years jeff stormer introduced me to campaign during his first appearance on everything is awesome so long ago not long after that my uncle was diagnosed with cancer my uncle always felt more like an older brother to me he was only 16 years older than me um, and he helped shape me into the person i am today my first experience with Star Wars was watching it with him. Neither of us did deep dives into the extended universe of Star Wars. But any time I think about that franchise, or I watch something from that franchise, or I read something from that franchise, I think about that very first time I watched A New Hope. After a brief celebration of my uncle going into remission, he took a turn for the worse. While experiencing the roller coaster of what that meant, I turned to podcasting to get me through it. Very specifically, Campaign. The crew of the Minoc allowed me to smile through one of the worst times of my life, at least as an adult. The fact that it was within or at least adjacent to the Star Wars universe was a bonus that allowed me to smile while thinking of my uncle. Normally, I take a moment to thank my guest at this juncture, and while I'm very, very grateful for James uh, to taking time out of his day from his busy schedule to sit down and chat with me, I want to thank the cast of Campaign, Kat, James, JPC, Johnny, and all those guest stars. Thank you. You helped save this mid-30s man-child. I was in a bad place, and while I also had my friends, my fiance, and my kids to thank for saving me. They weren't with me all the time. Campaign has been with me on my phone, on my computer, and available to me at the times where I was alone and sad. Even if it was just for an hour, I was able to smile because of you guys. I am very sad to say goodbye to the crew of the Minoc, but I can't wait to see what each of you have up your sleeve for the future. Kat, you are such a wonderful storyteller. I can't wait to hop on board with Autonomic and see what you do with that. I know it's going to be a story worth listening to and a story worth telling. James, Johnny, and JPC, your performances are equal parts comedic and dramatic. I can't wait to see what you guys do with this new world of Skyjacks. No matter what it is, I know you guys are going to crush it. 
in favor of keeping this outro as short as possible, please check the show notes for all the ways you can find James and his projects, including a link to his book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide. Check out thatentertains.com slash network for more awesome shows, and remember to go out and vote on November 6th. And remember, heroes, make brave and heroic decisions. Thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash that entertains without their support. We wouldn't be able to bring this episode to you. If you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word of mouth recommendations and five star rating reviews on iTunes are the best way to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on facebook.com and Twitter at real awesome pod or at awesome podcast on Instagram. And we're available on awesomepodcast.com and that entertains.com slash network. Get news about everything is awesome from our website, social media accounts, and also on my personal Twitter at that nerdy kev. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast, or have a question or comment, email us at awesome at crudehumorstudios.com. Everything is Awesome is a production of That's Entertainment Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio, video, and live performances. You can find more info at crudehumorstudios.com. Thanks for listening, super friends. We've been awesome. Entertainment and culture. Artist owned, fan supported.